0: welcome to the digging deep atv mx podcast with your
1: host two-time defending atv motocross national champion cody jensen
0: am i on air what's up everybody we're back I'm your host Cody Jansen and welcome to episode 64 of the Digging Deep ATV MX podcast presented by our title sponsor CST Tires, available for purchase and in stock today at shop.csttires.com. I suggest the 20x6x10 by by Pulse MXR fronts and 18x10x8 by by white label soft compound rears. Pick up a set today at shop.csttires.com. I hope you enjoyed I Am Iron Man Part 1 because John Natalie returns to discuss the rest of his legendary career on this episode tonight. And let me tell you, it's everything that you were left wanting at the conclusion of the previous show. On this one, we explore the second half of the former multi-time champ's career, as well as complete anything we might have missed on the last episode. You'll hear about what winning aboard a Can-Am meant to him, about his rivalry with Chad Wienan, the birth of his own team, the Natalie Experience, for those of you who remember that, joining forces with Baldwin, his take on current ATV motocross, and so much more i want to streamline the intro because you're really going to enjoy the conversation ahead and i want to get you right to it i had a blast sitting down with the iron man for this one let's give a quick shout out to our sponsors and show them some love guys these companies are prioritizing valuing and supporting atv racing by partnering with digging deep so if you like what we're doing here the best thing you can do is support these great companies Major thanks to CST Tires. Go to shop.csttires.com today. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. P.S. Did you see my brand new YFC 450 I'm so freaking stoked. Thanks to Valvoline, SSI Decals, DID Racing Chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, Foreworks Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. Get 20% off and Free shipping with code diggingdeep20 at manscaped.com. Their clippers rock, their nose hair trimmer is amazing, and the new lawnmower 4.0 electric trimmer is next level. Equipped with a light, a guard, a bunch of adjustments, and they are ATV racing supporters as well. Hell yes, I've been absolutely loving this thing, and you will too. So check out Manscaped. I wish I would have sooner. Get 20% off with free shipping by using code diggingdeep20 at manscaped.com. Support all these great companies that support us and for any products that fall through the cracks click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website to help us out. As we transition into the off season here we both know you need parts and gear. No matter what off-road gear or parts you need Rocky Mountain ATVMC has you covered so before you buy click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner on our website. By accessing Rocky Mountain from our specific link you get all your gear and parts needs met while we get a percentage of what you buy on the back end. This is such an easy and convenient way to help us out so click that Rocky on ATVMC banner at diggingdeepatvmx.com to help us out while satisfying all your gear and parts needs this offseason we can't thank you enough for that no new donors to shout out this week but for anybody that is interested in possibly donating to Digging Deep you can find those patreon and buy me a coffee donation links on our website again for anybody interested in donating to support our efforts and we thank you so much for that Prizes for our Top 10 in Digging Deep ATV MX Fantasy have all shipped. Items that have been claimed so far are Chad Weenan, Bryce Ford, Nick Janusa, and Max Linquist Autographed Merchandise, as well as an SSI Decals Custom Graphics Kit, a pair of CSD Pulse MXR White Label Soft Compound 18x10x8 Rear Tires, and a DID ATV2 X-Ring chain. We have some more items to go out, and no matter where you finished, there's hope because some random players are going to win as well. So stay tuned on that, and we sure hope you'll play along with us when the season rolls around just a few months from now. But for now, it's showtime. Now the 30-second board is up, it's sideways, and the gate is down. Time to dig deep. Let's go. All right, guys. Now, before we jump right into our part two of our I Am Iron Man episodes, I have to say this is exciting because our listeners, you just heard this legend on the last episode. But for us, this has been a long time coming. We recorded that first interview in February of 2020, all the way back when COVID wasn't even a thing yet. And there was so much that we still wanted to get to, but family comes first, of course. So coming to you not from a hospital this time, I hope. Mr. John Natalie What's up, John? Thanks so much for coming back to talk with us some more.
1: Hey, you know, I'm sorry it took so long. Last time, I guess we didn't have a really good connection. And, uh, <clears throat> I've been saying that I wanted to get back with you and, and just with COVID and life and kids and wives and all the other stuff that go on, you know, we just wasn't able to find a time, but now we got a little bit of time. We can put it together and, uh, see if there isn't some more questions that we can get answered. Maybe even some things from the last, uh, podcast that we did where uh, I don't know if you caught any questions or anything that the, the people might want to know mm-hmm. that would be able to give them the information.
0: Yeah, I'm stoked uh, that this worked out so well. I mean, originally, like I said in the last episode, I really uh, didn't think we didn't think that we were going to be able to make that thing work. And eventually, like I had an epiphany one day. I was like, you know what? Whatever it is, however much work we got to put in, whatever the result is, we're going to put the 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 Natale episode out because there was so much great content there. Um, so I obviously, uh, like you said, there was so many people that are like, well, you didn't get to this, you didn't get to that, uh, and, and stuff like that. So um, obviously. That wasn't by design. There was, you know, we were going to get to everything. So this worked out to have a, have a part two. So I thank you so much for being a willing participant for part two here. And uh, man, uh, there was a great response to that first episode. Uh, you know, I feel like we created all kinds of buzz. You had all kinds of people talking about different aspects of your your career and such.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I thought it was awesome. And uh, one of the big things I'd like to say now is thank you to everybody out there. And, and uh, you know, I've said it before. Every time on a podium, and I'll say it now, I don't care whether you're a fan of mine or a fan of Chad's or a fan of Joel's or who you're a fan of. You're a fan of ATV racing, and ATV racing has been my life for as long as I can remember, and I, I appreciate each and every one of you guys. And, and uh, I know y'all can't be a John Natale fan full-time up front and be the, you know, I'm going to be the number one guy, but it doesn't matter to me. As long as you're there, that, that's what makes the difference to all of us.
0: Yeah. Awesome message there from John Natale. And in the last episode, we covered the early stages of your career, John, uh, John Natalie joins us tonight, brought to you by our friends at Rocky mountain, ATV MC, your one-stop shop for parts, gear, and everything in between to make your ride, the best ride, click that Rocky mountain, ATV MC banner on our website, digging deep atvmx.com today for your, all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. Now, on that first episode, we covered the earlier stages of your career. On this episode, we're going to focus on your time at Can-Am to present... Uh, We've talked about obviously the monumental achievements that you guys achieved at Can-Am. And it goes without saying that you are are proud as can be of the first ever, um, you know, ATV National Pro Class overall win for the manufacturer and the first and only premier championship for Can-Am in ATV motocross history. Uh, When you think back to those memories, what stands out most to you, John? What what stands out most about that Can-Am period for you? I mean, you talked about uh, on the previous episode that you kind of always wanted to do something different. Uh, you were, you were one to, you know, kind of maybe put yourself out there and try something that others wouldn't when you think back to Can-Am and, you know, there was probably, there was some trying times and you finally got that thing to being, you know, at the top of that class. What do you think, what stands out most to you about that whole period at Can-Am?
1: You know, <clears throat> honestly, when we first, when I first went to Can-Am, I went to Canada. And when I first mm-hmm. went up there, I was able to ride the bike first. I was bone stock. Okay. And the first time I rode it, I actually broke it. And uh, I, I was a little nervous. I was like, well, but then, you know, what was great about it was it wasn't like, and nothing against the Japanese guys, but it wasn't like Japanese guys. I, I mean, I, I actually went to dinner that night with the owner of Can-Am. Okay. I mean, the, the president of Can-Am. You know, you don't get to do that when it comes. And he, he said, hey, look. You know, whatever you break, we'll fix. We'll make it better. It won't break again. And the next day we had new parts for it. Now I was already riding it. And it was, it was fixed. Um, there was a lot of bugs that we had to work out, but, uh, but uh, we, we, we got them worked out and it seemed like they were going to be in it for the long haul. So I, I was really excited about that whole portion of it. And then to be able to, you know, bring it back into the States and be able to be the first one. To, to go out in a pro class with that bike um it was it was exciting for me and i, I i've had a lot of firsts in my career like the first one to win daytona mm-hmm. uh, the first one on a can it was just so many different firsts that i was able to do um you know not it wasn't i'm not taking any credit for it i've had great mechanics like casey and uh, i've had great sponsors i've had great people behind me all the time that 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 made my job a lot easier so but it, but it was great to have all those firsts. There, there's, there's a lot of things in my career that I get to look back on. Oh, I was the first to do that. I was the
0: first to do that. And, and I was always about
1: that. So I guess that was kind of my most exciting thing about k
0: was m was like, knowing that I was going to be the first one to bring this thing in. John, let me ask you this. So during your first title in 2005, uh, you were in a class of your own that season. Uh, fast forward to 2011 you you know you won 3 races that year you bested the field by 8 points on your way to that second title uh, that was the first ever you know ATV uh, MX pro championship for Can-Am, like we said, that was the first, and that was what you were King of doing things, you know, for the first time, was that one sweeter than that first one? I mean, in 2005, even though, you know, it was your first, uh, it was basically never in doubt. It felt like, and with right. this one, it took years of hard work and and getting to the point that, you know, uh, that bike was competitive and you had paid all your dues and you had to overcome some of the adversity that season on your way to that championship. So did that one end up meaning more more after how far you've come, you know, and, and a lot of time had passed too, where, uh, you know, in 2005, you probably thought you were going to go on a streak and obviously you won WPSA in, in uh, in 07, but, um, anyways, it, it just felt to me, I was like, I need to ask him if that second one was sweeter, you know, doing it on the can-am and then all the stuff that you went through from that first one to the second one, uh, just thought to me, maybe that, that second one was going to be sweeter than the first. You know, this is, this is going to be a little bit of a long answer for you because I want to, I want to touch on the O5 championship first. That was a long question. So uh yeah. it's fair. It's fair. Okay. Well, see in, in 5 it was very, really special to me because,
1: and I'm going to say this and, and nothing against D man shack at rage or anybody like that, because I don't mean it the way it's going to sound, because without my sponsors, I would have been nobody without D building bikes. I'd have been nothing without those people there. I wouldn't have been nothing, but I did it on my own in 2005. Like I didn't have factory help. We didn't have all this money coming in. We had product, but we didn't have all the money coming in. I had to go against Suzuki. I had to go against Kawasaki. I had to go against all these guys that had all this money, you know, limitless money behind them. And I went out and I beat them and I, and that felt pretty good. And in 2005, I mean, Christ, I beat, you know, I beat, uh, Doug Gust, I beat Jeremiah Jones, I beat, um, Tim Farr, uh, Dustin Wimmer, I believe was there. Mm-hmm. Travis uh, Spader. I mean, uh, I think Kramer was in there at that point. I, I can't remember who I was there, but some of the fastest guys I've ever seen in my life, I got to beat them all. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that was, that was amazing for me. And, and, you know, now fast forward to 2011. Now, 2011 was special on its own, right? Because one, it was the first year that, uh, we were able to win a championship on can I had gotten hooked up with Casey and, and, uh, uh johnny leach who was was and is still uh an amazing man that that has helped a lot of people and he's done a lot for me in racing and outside of racing um also that year i mean i was leading the points i had a, a good battle going third was literally out of the out of the question at one point like you know it was me and i think believe it was chad going for it both of us on can ams and and the crazy part about it is i uh, we had a barn fire and my horses you know got out and we had to protect the horses and try to keep you know the horses from getting killed by the fire <clears throat> and i had gotten kicked in the arm and broke my forearm or you know my own a couple of bones in my arm and right away i immediately thought crap there goes the championship it's over you know well the very next day I got a call. Um, I believe it was Johnny Leach had called me actually. I, I think Casey ended up calling me too and told me that Chad had broke his back. And I was like, well, wait a minute. You know that? Yeah. My ears perked up. I was like, Holy shit. Like all I got to do is race and finish decent. And I can win this championship. So I literally called the doctor right after I got the phone with them. And I said, Hey, you need to do, put this plate in They're Like, yeah, we're going to put it in. We got you scheduled for, you know, two weeks or a week and a half. I'm like, Nope, you got to do it tomorrow. Like, what do you mean? I said, I need this tomorrow. I, I got a race. We got to make it happen. And, and, I, and I said, I got a race this weekend. He's like, Wait, what do you mean? You're not going to race. I'm like, yeah, I am going to race. And so actually it was Tuesday morning. I believe they took me in and we got that plate in and I had up race on that Saturday. And if I wouldn't have raced that race, we'd have lost the championship. I'm not going to say it was more special but I'm going to say it was a different kind of special because of with me breaking my arm and Chad breaking his back and okay. it looked like uh, all hope was lost for Can-Am. I mean, you know, a, uh, we're on a, on a championship run with both Chad and I running out front and mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're both out, you know, and, and uh, I've never been one to back down from a challenge. So I, I figured, Hey, you know, let's get a plate on this thing and let's go racing. and you know, <clears throat> And that's what we did. Everybody thought I was crazy and nobody thought I could do it. And then of course the first first time somebody said you can't do it was whenever I knew it was gonna happen. Because I love it when people say you can't do it. Me breaking my arm and being able to get back on and go out there and race, that was it was actually really special to me because of the fact of overcoming the adversity that I've overcome. That's why when 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 little things happen, you know, in life now, it, it's nothing because I look back on times like that and think, well, crap, you know. <laughs> I broke my arm and went out and raced and finished winning a championship. There's nothing I can't do.
0: That's exactly, and, that's exactly what I wanted to touch on, um, was, you know, the, the adversity that you had to overcome to win that title. That was one of the reasons why I thought hmm. maybe that, you know, that was another special aspect of that 2011 championship.
1: Yeah, it was the one thing that that I'll tell you that, that it helped me out. And this is just racing in general. Okay. But, but certain Adversities like breaking my arm and having to come out and win a championship has helped me out so much in the real and I'll call it the real world where you actually have to get a job and you actually have to do something because now it's to the point where I'm like, okay, well, you know, this broke today. So what we'll fix it and we'll go on or, or, uh, you know, you run into so many little things that seem trivial compared to the things that I used to run into with racing. And, Mm -hmm. and we always made it work. And, 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 you know, one of the other things too, is I, I've, I've realized, and I've always had a hard time being uh, the owner of the business of delegating authority and power. But I, and I realized and I know that, that from having the teams in racing, that it takes a whole team to make anything work. And that includes a business. So, you know, I've learned a lot from racing over the years and, and it, it's helped me through a bunch.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And then to come away, f- uh, you know, with that title that year, um, especially like you said, it was such a gnarly battle between you and Chad early mm-hmm. in the season. Uh, what an unbelievable circumstance, really, to you uh, to see you both uh, end up hurt almost at the same time. It's it's really uh, it's kind of a legendary story. And I didn't know if I was going to ask this, uh, but we got a lot of questions about it, even dating back a year and a half ago when we were originally going to record this. But right. questions about the potential beef with, with Chad Weenan and yourself while under the can-am tent there back then, uh, wanted to ask you, like, was there any validity to that? I mean, I remember that run in, uh, at sunset Ridge that year, that was a story in itself to, to have two title combatants under the same tent though, which is obviously something that happens so rare in, in sports in general. Um, that's gotta be a tough thing to balance when you're gotta like battle to the death with your teammate. Well, you know. You know, you and I discussed not this aspect, but a little bit
1: that, that pertains to something like this before. And, and <clears throat> I'm different than most people. Like, and, and you can talk to Joel about this. I was never threatened or or upset or uh, I don't even know what word I'm looking for whenever Chad come on a team. One of my biggest problems was the fact that I would share anything with Chad and anything that I found, I went and I found something that worked. I would go right to Chad. Hey, Chad, this works. Because my thing was I wanted to beat him on the track. Now, the other way around, he kept nothing but secrets. Anything they found, they wanted to make sure that they hid from me, which is uh, is not what I, I look at as, as a good teammate. And, and as, as far as beef as, as being worried about him winning a championship, no, because if he won a championship, that was my fault. That meant that I didn't do my homework, that did, I didn't do what I had to do. It's not Chad's fault that he beat me. It's just he worked harder than me. Now, <clears throat> on the other hand, there are some other things that went on behind the scenes, Okay. That has nothing to do with racing. That part of racing that really made me dislike Chad, and and to this day, I don't have very good feelings toward him because of that. It has nothing to do with his speed. Has nothing to do with his talent because he's super talented. He's super fast, and he works harder than anybody I've ever met at racing. There's just other things that, that come up. Yeah, he's a he's a champ. You can't take it away from him. nothing not you can't ever say anything bad about chad when it comes to that part of it but i have my own reasons and and there's just things that need not be said and put out there but there's there's reasons behind it and very valid reasons Mm -hmm. and and it's not all
0: just directed at him but also his mechanic Mm -hmm. i just leave it at that i understand that's that we'll get right back to the show but now a word from our sponsors and thank you for listening to these ads. Without these great companies, none of this would be possible. Show your support for the people who support us. Welcome to the team, two-time champ Joel Hetrick, who dropped the biggest news of the off-season when he announced his move to CST Tires. The CST TakeOver has been gaining momentum over the past several seasons, and now Joel Hetrick and his Phoenix Racing teammate Jeffrey Rastrelli are the most recent additions. The Pulse MXR tire has helped lead riders like Thomas Brown to race wins and three consecutive Quad Cross of Nations titles, Nick Janusa to the Pro Class podium, myself, Cody Jansen, as I rode my Pulse MXR fronts and white label soft comp on rears to back to back national championships in the Junior 25 Plus class, and the most recent additions have us thinking a Pro Class national championship is on the horizon for CST tires. The Pulse MXR tire, available in soft and standard compounds, offers the highest level of traction, most predictable cornering, and superior wear characteristics when compared to the competition. Visit shop.csttires.com to join the CST takeover today, or prepare to be beat by someone who did. Joel Hatcherick, Jeffrey Rastrelli Nick Janusa, myself, and so many others are believers in CST tires. Are you... CST Tires, where passion meets the ground. You already know we're Team Blue Crew here at the Digging Deep ATV-MX Podcast. Whether it's second all-time winningest, seven-time and reigning ATV-MX Pro Class National Champion Chad Wienan, or six-time and current XC1 Pro ATV GNCC National Champion Walker Fowler, It's clear the podium-proven Yamaha YFC 450R is the winning choice of sport ATVs. This unprecedented success for the YFC 450R, its unrivaled quality and performance, and the undeniable fact that Yamaha is the leading OEM supporter of ATV racing has created a Yamaha takeover within the sport quad market. Better yet, Yamaha's Blue Crew Racer Support Program is back and even stronger for 2021, meaning Yamaha riders are about to cash in on higher payouts and more prize opportunities, including a chance to win a brand new YFZ450R. For more info, head over to YamahaBlueCrew.com, follow them on social media at Yamaha Outdoors, and check out Yamaha's full proven off-road lineup at YamahaOutdoors.com today. For over 150 years, Valvoline has led the charge by being dedicated to constant improvement and innovation across all disciplines of racing. Valvoline has sponsored some of the greatest names in motorsports and for the better part of a decade, I've been fortunate enough to be part of the historically great Team Valvoline. From my commuting vehicles to small engines, race quads and everything in between, I trust nothing but Valvoline in all of my equipment. I've experienced increased function and durability as well as a longer life expectancy thanks to Valvoline's array of products and lubricants. Since 1866, Valvoline has been focused on bettering your experience, whether on road, on track, and everywhere in between. Upgrade to Valvoline today and check them out at valvoline.com. SSI Decals is a name synonymous with ATV Racing, synonymous with big time success, and absolutely synonymous with the best looking decals around. An offshoot of their parent company that was established in 1947, SSI first took shape from owner Ian Harris' passion for ATVs. With what started as just making numbers and decals for riders like Chad Wienan, the company quickly took off, and today you couldn't imagine ATV motocross without SSI decals. The graphics maker and designer now supports all the top teams in ATV motocross, as well as teams and riders racing GNCC, Work Series, Pro Motocross and Supercross, Canadian Pro Motocross, Short Course Off-Road Trucks, UTVs, Snowcross, and, oh yeah, six-time NHRA World Champion, Clay Milliken. No project is too big or too small for SSI Decals, making your identity stick with championship level graphics. Head over to SSIDecals.com today and then maybe call the doctor because things are about to get sick. The Digging Deep ATV MX podcast is brought to you in part by DID in their range of championship winning chains. Powered by technology, DID chains are designed to give you the greatest strength to weight ratio, making them the optimal chain for racing and giving you a championship level edge. DID has been driving championship-winning race programs since 1933, chosen by champions such as Chad Wienen, Joel Hetrick, and myself, Cody Jansen. Champion above the rest is DID's 520 ATV2 chain, with those same design principles and materials being used throughout their entire line of products, including their on-road category as well. Pick up a DID chain today at your local dealer or a reputable online e-tailer. What drives you?
2: We are proud to be partnered with Numira Technologies. Since 2001, Numira has led the charge in the ATV and side-by-side market, covering more applications than anyone else in the industry. Numira's advanced piston technology uses a NASA-exclusive aluminum alloy that helps to reduce expansion rates, that allows for tighter tolerances, and leads to higher overall engine performance for your machine. For more information about Numira's wide offerings of pistons, rings, gaskets, and industry-leading top-end repair kits, Visit your local dealer or online at www.numira.com, Numira Technologies, Pistons with an Attitude. We are pleased to be partnered with Bronco ATV and UTV Components. Bronco has been an industry leader in replacement hard parts and accessories for all makes and models for over 15 years. With a catalog that includes a full line of electrical components, engine internals like rods and cylinders, all the way down to suspension parts and bearing kits, Bronco is your hard part source for whatever you need for whatever you ride available exclusively through distributors around the world. Visit your local dealer or online at broncoatv.com. Forworks Carbon's innovative lightweight products include top-notch seat covers, carbon fiber and plastic hoods, gas tank covers, exhaust shields, shock guards and much more. Whether you have an ATV, UTV or snowmobile, Forworks has the goodies that will improve your ride and make you salivate. We trust Forworks for increased function and a sexier look, and you should too. Forworks Carbon always working hard to bring high quality and innovative parts to the market check them out today at fwcarbon.com
0: so you guys do go on to win that championship in 2011 and uh, in 2012 uh, we you know as you touched on you know battling Chad in 2011 now you're you battled him again in 2012 he was on a different machine not teammates anymore you were attempting right. to defend um, your, your title, obviously, and you won three more races that year. You fought your tail off. You ended up finishing second to Chad hard fought battle. And then in 2013, uh, that's when you started your own team and the Natalia experience. Right. So tell me about, uh, that and what led you to do that because people wanted to hear, you know, how and why the, the can-am thing ended. You know, we heard a lot of those questions the last two weeks. And, and then I wanted to hear, you know, kind of a, what it was like to transition from going from that factory ride to doing your own thing. I was always intrigued by that. But, you know,
1: I, I think that what happened with it, can- what I was told by KM m was the fact that they were going to pull out because they weren't selling enough bikes, which is something that I can believe they weren't, mm-hmm. you know, ATV racing. They couldn't sell the amount of bikes they needed to sell to, to, to pay to have the team,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is fine. And and you know, I've always wanted to continue racing. I didn't want to stop. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'd be racing today if I could, mm-hmm. but, switching to your own team is, is a big deal. And plus, you know, with having kids I've, at, at that point, uh, I had my second kid. So it was uh, it was it was it was tough. And anybody that has kids will tell you and I'm a family man. I love my kids. So there's a, there's a lot of time that is spent with the kids instead of being on the bikes, instead of working on bikes. Um, switching back to Honda, there's, there was a lot of changes in sponsors and, and, and suspension stuff and some other things that went on. And, and if I had it to do over again, looking back now, it would have been a different story because, and I'm going to say the only way in the house, a lot of times I'll blame myself, my, my, myself for the way I'm riding or not training hard enough, put all the blame on me and not look at the bike okay. and not look at the little yeah. things on the bike that can make a big difference. Okay. And when I look back now, I'm like, well, shit, I should have did this. I should have did that. And I'll, I'll try little things on a bike I have at the house. And it works way better. Like today, I believe I could take a Honda and I can go out there and be faster than those boys on a Yamaha just because I know some things I could do with that Honda now that I used to do back in 05
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that, that was lost by the wayside because of certain advice I was given by certain people. Okay. And, and I started to doubt myself. I guess uh, on what was going on because things started to go backwards in the handling and, and, and just stupid little things that happened. And not to mention that I, I wanted to help other people, you know, I, I wanted to be able to help people and, and uh, starting a tally experience was how I could bring some people in and help them and, and get them introduced to the sport and uh, uh, introduced to people around a track and just share the experiences and, and the experience that I, I have so that they can maybe skip some of the, uh, mistakes that I made along the way and, and go straight to, to having a better time at racing.
0: Yeah. So that was something that I could, I could, um, understand because when you start your own effort and you can run whatever parts you want to run and whatever, like that freedom is a, is a great thing, I'm sure. But at the same time, running your own team, being your own boss, having to fund the whole team yourself, all that stuff, obviously it's almost like the the burden outweighs the, you know the freedom that you have or whatever well it, it does you know and it's
1: not, it's not like a chad team where where you get tons and tons of money and tons of help from a factory because mm-hmm. i had nothing i had no country that was coming in honda wasn't given anything mm-hmm. <clears throat> um so i didn't have any of the honda experts there i didn't have any suspension experts from team honda there i didn't have uh um linkage experts you know i didn't have all that to choose from and, and sure. uh so it made it harder for me because i had to find the side people and and i'm not saying they're not experts but it's just that it's not the they they didn't do it as a full-time job these are people that just come in to try to help me mm-hmm. and, and do their best for me and and we did what we could and uh it was hard to compete with a, a
0: full-on factory yamaha race team Mm -hmm. And you did that again. So that was 2013. You did that again in 2014, I believe. And then you joined, you joined forces with Baldwin uh, for 2015. And I was a, I was a pro rider at the time, but as you know, a fan at that time too, like I thought that that was just a super rad marriage of you joining forces with Baldwin riding underneath that tent with all that legendary knowledge and experience and expertise. Um, It had to be almost like rejuvenating for you coming off of your own effort. Now you're doing Mark's thing. And I mean, for my money, like there was no better bike than Mark's at the time, but that was just such a, it just felt to me like this monumental, like alliance, Um, you know, at the start of 2015, like that was amazing. Yeah, it was it was really good and there's
1: some issues in there I mean Mark Mark's a great dude he can build one hell of a motor and reliable mm-hmm. he builds reliable stuff so you don't got to worry yeah. about it blowing up and yeah and uh, <clears throat> you know he's a good mechanic I mean there's a lot of things that um, where Mark and I didn't click on on, on certain things um, with suspension settings or or uh, some other little things that just happened along the way it, the one big problem that, that mark, and I had, and I don't say it's Mark and I's problem, but he was so busy with everything else because for him to be with my stuff, I'm not paying him, you know, 150 grand a year that he needs. So he has to be building other people's bikes. So he's constantly got 30 people coming into him all the time. He couldn't put the amount
0: of time into me and him as what we needed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I do. Yeah. I've always thought, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how Mark takes on that workload that he has and, and juggles everybody that he's got going on at one time. So you come out the the first race working together with Baldwin there and you win the first ever Daytona ATV Supercross inside Daytona in an international speedway. Talk about what had to be one of the biggest highlights of your career.
1: Being able to come out and win the first ever Daytona was
0: amazing.
1: Um, you know, it was like a high that, that you just don't get anymore. and. It, I mean, just driving into the place was amazing. You know, you come in on those high banks and you come in through all those, all the the infield and, and you get to see all those seats and everybody out there. It was unbelievable. And, and to be able to just be the first one. I mean, there is no other first one to win Daytona. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't care how many people win it. I was the first. Mm-hmm. I'll always be the first. I have the first trophy. I have the first uh, boogie board or whatever it was that they had there. I was the first guy to ever win Daytona on a, on a four-wheeler and, and nothing, and nobody can take that away. So that, that was one of the biggest highlights of my career, I think is, is, uh, Hey, I can tell people, "Yeah, yeah, I won Daytona supercross. That was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was, uh, that was special. I mean, there's, I just remember going in there for the first time and thinking like we're racing inside of here, you know, I mean, it's unreal, unreal opportunity for ATV motocross. And I said it in the first episode, but you were the king of those big one-off winner, take all races. It just seemed like, like you always brought your best to that kind of event, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, I I thought about that a lot too, over the years. And, and obviously the man upstairs is taking care of me. And and I always believe that he, and I don't think he ever helps anybody win, but he makes sure that you're safe and you're taken care of. And uh, he's always watched over me and, and kept me safe and helped me to, you know, one of the big things I always ask right before a race is that to help me make good decisions so that I don't hurt myself or anybody else. Mm-hmm. Cause I never wanted to hurt anybody else. So I was always able to make the decisions I needed to make to, to win the races and, and not get anybody hurt. So I was lucky on, or, or great on that aspect. And uh, you know, like the, the, first ever under the lights at Bill balances i won that the first yep. the great outdoor games uh, i won that the first daytona i won that first one to ever win on a, a pro race on a can am first one to ever win a pro championship on a can am yep. i mean there's there's i can there's so many different things it, it's unbelievable how many firsts i've had and, and and uh uh it's you know when i sit and look back on it I've never been one to dwell on the things that have happened in the past. Like I don't have my championship bikes and maybe I should have kept a couple. I, you know, I wish I would have kept a couple, but I, I don't, I've never looked at it like that. I've always looked at it as that's what I do and it's fun and it's great. And I love it, but it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, who I am is just John. I'm just the guy, you know, Hey, let's go to dinner or, you know, let's go, uh, ride our bikes over here or, you know, over here, let me help you push your bike off the track. Or, I, I don't put my pants on any different than anybody else. You know, I, I am not any better than anybody else. And, and if there's one thing that people can take out of this, it's no matter where you are or what you're doing, you're never any better than anybody else. And you're never, you, you have your own thing. You might be a great singer. You might be a great actor. You might be uh, uh, a great racer. But in my opinion, you're not you're not a superstar. Mm -hmm. You know, the only the only ones that I think are superstars are the heroes that that have have died in in wars or or the ones that have died as police officers or the ones that have died saving kids out of burning homes. Those are the superstars, Mm -hmm. because if there's anything that COVID has taught us this last year and a half is we don't need actors. We don't need racers. We don't need football players. We need ambulance drivers. We need nurses. We need doctors. We need people that can build cars. We need people that can weld. We need people that can grow food. Those are the people we need. Mm-hmm. And, and, and these and these so-called superstars that I see nowadays trying to tell us all how to live. They need to understand that, that, uh, we should be the ones telling them how to live because they, they forgot where they came from. And that's one thing. Point being is I will never forget where I came from. I, I was poor growing up and, 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 we didn't have a lot as a family, but the one thing we had was each other. And that's how I'm going to keep my family.
0: Yeah. How, how awesome of a take is that? Because I think that's one of the things that makes you so different. Um, a lot of these, you know, athletes in general, whether you're talking our sport or other, th- like that sport and them as an athlete is what makes them who they are to them. Right. Like there's no separation and you're saying, Hey, I'm just John, but I'm like really good at racing a four-wheeler. And, and that right. makes you different than, than most.
1: Yeah. And, 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 you know, what was great is, and, and I, I still can't grasp the fact of, of signing autographs. I mean, I don't, there's a lot of people out there that are never going to understand what it's like to sign an autograph. Mm -hmm. I mean, for somebody to come to you and say, John, Hey, will you sign this for me? You know, as I'm looking at it as like, well, shit, what do you want my signature for? It's just a piece of paper for God's sake, you know, or, or a poster or whatever. But to them, it really means something, you know, and, and, that means more to me than anything. And, and, you know, people have often asked me what's the best trophy or the best race or whatever, you know, the best thing I've ever won was being people's champ. You know, that was the best thing I've ever had. I got, I got the one year, I got kids choice award at, at, at one of the nationals. That was better than any championship award that I've ever gotten mm-hmm. being the kids choice. I mean, that means that these kids look up to you and they, they, they thought that you were the best. You know, these, and, and some of these kids may even be in the pro class now. I don't know. I, I, I don't know the all who voted for me, but mm-hmm. it, it was, I just, I, I can't explain to people how awesome it is for people to look up to you. It's amazing.
0: Well, it's, it's, and it's a chore. I mean, it's a, if it you is. really care, mm-hmm. it, it's a big, uh, it's a big responsibility. It takes a lot of effort, but I always thought, I always thought of you as the guy that was going to take a minute to stop and talk to that little kid or give them a high five or sign something for them or whatever, um, fan little racer, whatever it was, you always gave that time. And it showed because like you said, people's champ, I mean, you're always a fan favorite. You always will be. And, and but like you said, to your credit, it takes a lot of effort to do that. It does. And it,
1: and it's, and you know, what is, I, I don't know if I, if it, it's really the effort to do it because to me, I do it without even thinking. Like, right, but, I, I, love, but, I love to talk to the kids, I, mm-hmm. but to be that role model, because listen, I'm no better than anybody else. I got a bad mouth. I swear. I, I get upset about things. I get mad about things and uh, that I shouldn't, and to be able to control that
0: mm-hmm.
1: takes a lot of effort because it's easy to blow up and, and show your butt, so to speak, but it's hard to, to keep your cool, especially in in the heat of racing conditions and, and racing emotions, because there's a lot of times when I really wanted to blow up and I didn't because of the fact that I knew that there might be a little kid watching, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and I want him to understand, you know, this isn't the way to go. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta, you gotta be better than me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there and I guess it wasn't like, uh, I didn't mean it like, uh, it doesn't come natural. It's just that, giving people time when you don't have time like right. that, like race day is your business day like that's your work day And you still, you just always found the time for whoever needed that time from you. Like, that's why you'll always be a legend in this sport. So, uh, wanted to be able to touch on that. So, uh, you win Daytona, like you said, one of the biggest accomplishments of your career. You're on top of the world. Once again, um, there's like you said, and I had this literally written in my notes. There's only one first ever Daytona winner. Uh, so that's pretty special. And then it wasn't long after that, that you suffered an injury that ended that season for you.
1: Yeah, I actually broke both my wrists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I screwed up over a jump and and just made it had a brain fart so to speak and broke both my wrists, and you know honestly I've never been the same since. Actually today I was running a jackhammer and my right wrist got so messed up I was like man this is this is all stemming back to I think it was 2013 when I broke my wrist. It was Ironman. Okay. And uh, ironically enough, it was at right. Ironman. Yeah. Right, I broke right. both my wrists. I tried to finish the race. I couldn't, I went and got them x-rayed and had a bunch of actually a few bones broken in each wrist. And we still tried to finish out the season, but I couldn't hold on to the bars. Right. And, uh, and ever since then, it was just, it was been a struggle. It was a struggle trying to even hold on to the bike.
0: So did that almost end your career? Like right then and there, or were you determined, uh, I guess to kind of go out on your own terms later on? Well, <clears throat> you know,
1: I've never really officially retired just so you have that out there. <laughs> okay. But it, it got to the point where I started thinking again about my family. And I was like, Hey, you know, I got to do something because that's, that's one of those rude awakening things. Well, Hey uh, you know, if you're hurt, you're done. And there's no more money coming in to feed your family. So I was like, Hey, we're going to start this business. My wife and I started a business and neither of us really knew a lot about, I mean, I knew, I know I'm, really good at running equipment and doing that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And, but we knew nothing about the paperwork side of it. So we just dove in both feet first and sold basically everything we ever owned and, and uh, bought the stuff that we needed and got this uh, excavation demolition business going. And, and it really took off. And as, as it was taken off, I had no time to practice. So it was kind of, you know, you can't go to these nationals now with, with the likes of Chad Weenan and Joel Hetrick and, and those guys, the mm-hmm. speed that they're running you have to be able to ride. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't able to ride like I needed to. So I wasn't able to perform where I needed to be, so I kind of just kind of started to step back and and step out of it.
0: Mhm. Yeah, um so 2016 was your final season. Uh and it's pretty impressive cuz you grabbed a few podiums, three podiums I think in your final season. Uh I guess like you said you're not you're not uh, you're not retired yet, but the last season that we saw you at the ATV nationals, uh, so to grab three podiums in the pro class in your final season was pretty impressive. Um, but you were still in the mix throughout, uh, you didn't return for 2017. Did you know, like at that time in 2016, that that was going to be the end or, or no, did, that just kind of happened?
1: Yeah. I, I didn't know one of the and I guess you could say problems, which, which is good for us, but it was a problem for racing is our business really started to take off. Okay. And we had no time to do anything but work. Sure. And yep. uh, that kind of took away. And I thought, well, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll work this year, get it all squared away. And and uh, then next year I'll go back to racing. Well, then more, the business grew more and we, and we actually started another business. So now we have two businesses we're working and <clears throat> I'm like, wow, you know, it's all, you know, we'll just get these things going. But, and then, and then obviously with COVID hit and all the other stuff that, that's happened along the way, I mean, it was hard to find people to work. You can't find people that want to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this day and age the, the people think that uh, they're worth a million dollars before they earn their first hundred, you know? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it, it, it's hard to, to run a business and keep it going.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to ask you, so I was going to ask you like after, you know, literally decades of racing ATVs at the highest level, I was going to ask you if it was hard to walk away, but it kind of just happened. And you already told us that you didn't identify as John Natalie, the, you know, professional ATV motocross racer, you just identified as John. And it just so happened that you were really good at riding ATVs. So maybe it wasn't that hard to step away. Like in 2017, you weren't at the races anymore. Did you find yourself missing it?
1: Yeah. No, it was hard.
0: Okay. 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 <laughs> it was okay.
1: Super hard. Okay. uh it, It's still like even today, I'm I'm dying. Like I want to ride. If, if I go to a national, I have, I guess PTSD. Okay. <laughs> it, it's it's unbelievable. I can't stand going to. I. It's a double-edged I can't stand going to a national, but I love going to a national. Mm-hmm.
0: Well,
1: you know, because well, I feel like I need to be out there.
0: Yeah. Well, we discussed that with. Um, you know, with Doug and with Joe, when, when we had them on, uh, basically like when ATV racing was, you know, your life for so long, life can be hard when you seemingly like lose that purpose and that, that identity. And I know that's not what it was for you, but it was like your favorite thing to do, I'm assuming. So, right. uh, it had to be hard to lose that. It was super hard. And like I said, one way that I was really lucky
1: is and I don't know if it, if I would say it was the way I was brought up, if it was the, the people I've been around. Um, um, I, 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 don't know for sure, but it, like I said, it wasn't who I was. Like it, it was what I did. It was what I loved, mm-hmm. but it wasn't who I was. Sure. Yep. I didn't identify as nothing but a racer. Mm-hmm. I, I always had something or somebody around me that kept me grounded. And, and of course putting my faith in the Lord is one thing that, that helps a lot too, because I know, and I, and I've, and and this is going to sound weird to all the people that think I'm a Bible thumper or whatever, you know, I've even talked to him and said, Hey, if it's something that, that I'm able to do, give me the chance
0: to go back and do it. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't told me no yet. So you never know. You might see me out there again. Hey, that was the perfect segue into my next question. Cause I was going to ask you, you know, over, over the past few seasons here uh, since you left ATP racing, You know, I heard plenty of rumors regarding potential returns. Uh, Ultimately, it hasn't happened yet, I guess. Um, But was there any, like, truth to some of that? Like, did a a return actually come close to happening? As the number one podcast in ATV racing, it's only right that we partner with the industry leaders in suspension tuning. Insert Impact Solutions. Impact Solutions is a full-service ATV and side-by-side suspension center specializing in the revalving and service of your motocross and off-road suspension. With over 25 years of elite-level knowledge, experience, and testing with riders of all ages and ability levels, Casey Greek, Jay Goble, and the Impact crew strive to exceed clients' expectations for service and setup. Impact Solutions is the official Elka Suspension Service Center of the United States, offering unmatched product knowledge and experience, whether you're in need of service, parts, Warranty, sales, or technical support, Impact Solutions has you covered. Head over to ImpactSolutionsATV.com or give them a call today. We interrupt this program for a special news bullet. The following message is brought to you by Manscaped.com. The Manscaped engineering team has outdone themselves this time, creating the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, now available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, an official sponsor of the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast, with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with code diggingdeep 20 at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0 and I am blown away. This thing is next level. What sets this trimmer apart from all the rest? The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. It features a new multi-functioning on-off switch with travel lock for those of us who like to travel. And my favorite, the new trimmer allows you to customize your trim with four different guard lengths and upgrade from its predecessor that only featured two. If you're listening, you know that good tools are a must, so wait no more to get the best tools for the job. Get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using code DIGGINGDEEP20. The Digging Deep ATVMX podcast is also sponsored by DP Brakes, a longtime supporter of ATV Racing and the world leader in centered brake technology dp has been dominating the atv world for decades supporting the best four-wheeled racers on the planet 2021's impressive lineup includes joel hetrick and jeffrey rostrelli of the phoenix racing team myself cody jansen and my back-to-back national championships baldwin motorsports ford brothers racing nick janusa wesley wolf and many more including all of the top 14 gncc series pros led by the champ walker fowler Bryson Neal, Cole Richardson, Jared McClure, and Chris Borich. These top riders continue to appreciate the high performance and impressive durability that their DP Brakes have to offer, products that ultimately help place them on the top of the podium. Available at www.dp-brakes.com, purchase at your local dealer, or message the show for their contact info today. What are you waiting for? Join the best ATV riders in the world on DP Brakes. 15 years into the brand's existence, Factory 43 is back with us and continuing to make huge waves in the ATV world. For the second consecutive season, Factory 43 is the official aluminum parts choice of the Phoenix Racing ATV team providing their state of the art Evo Nerf bars, MX style front bumpers and grab bars for some of the fastest riders on the planet. If you're in the market to upgrade your Nerf bars, bumpers, or grab bars, head over to factory43atv.com to see their full line of products available for all makes and models. Want to be just like Joel Hetrick and Jeffrey Rostrelli riding with Factory 43's industry leading products? Head over to factory43atv.com today. Did uh, a return actually come close to happening? Yeah, there it, it's been close a couple of times and,
1: and, uh, just getting getting to the point where where I can get in shape. I mean, I still got the speed. I went out and raced, rode with Joel, and mm-hmm. and and did some laps with him. And I can, you know, I still got the speed to run with them. But I just don't have the endurance, and that's one of the things. If I come back, I don't want to be out there, you know, running up front for you know five six laps and then falling back. And, and it's just not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, well, come out and run this class. Come out, no. If I come back, I'm running pro strictly. Period. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to run. And, uh, you never know. I mean, if I can find a way to get my lazy butt in shape instead of sitting in an excavator and, and dozer and, and, uh, skid steer all day long, then we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting a gym together right now, actually at our house Okay, and uh, we'll see what happens when I get this gym together.
0: So you're definitely not closing, uh, you know, closing the book on that chapter, which is exciting for any ATV motocross fans. Obviously, um, you have done some racing since you walked away from the national scene, right? Like you did a little, any ATV stuff, you did some of that indoor stuff out there. Um, so you haven't totally been a stranger, which is awesome because like in, in two wheeled motocross or whatever, like we all see so many, you know, of our favorite riders, like, end their career saying, like, they don't like riding anymore. Like they don't enjoy the sport anymore. That's obviously not the case with you. Like you'd love it. You'd still love to be doing it. You still love riding all that stuff. And I love to hear that, you know, as a, as a yeah. legend of ATV racing, still loving it. Like you do at, you know, at, at having done it for 30 years or more than that, um, right. more than that, that's, that's, that's a cool thing for, you know, people that love the sport. Like I do.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's really, Weird or odd to me that that people say they get burnout or whatever. Because if there's somebody who's going to be burnout, I should be burnout, <laughs> and and I'm, I'm not burnout. I mean, you know, not only have I have I raced for you know 30 years, but I I mean I rode forever before that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I was always on a bike. I mean, we used to pack lunches literally and go out and ride all day long whenever I wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, it's just because I and I guess that's one of the reasons why it's kept me so grounded because it's just something I love to do. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I was just, I just happened to be good at it and I I was able to, to, get paid to do it and, and get to meet a lot of people. There's a lot of really cool stuff I got to do. Yeah,
0: That's the um, dream. That's the dream, right? Like, uh, that's what, that's what so many little, you know, younger people grow up again. Like it doesn't have to be our sport, but you grow up, um, you know, dreaming about being able to like do something you love, whatever, and get paid for mm-hmm. it. And, and you kind of got to do that. Like, that's, that's awesome. That's everybody's dream, especially in this sport.
1: It is. And, and, you know, what's sad is right now, it's not looking that way for, for the guys coming up. And I'm, I'm really disappointed in that. And, and, you know, a lot of people talk bad about WPSA and, and so on. Uh, you know, we went over to the WPSA and there's people, well, this, that, and the other thing. And they, they jetted out, but they showed us what it could be it, it, with the right marketing and the, and the right things going on. And out. Now, I'm not saying anything against the promoters group, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do a good job keeping this thing going. they have kept it going for, you know, fifty years or whatever they've been doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, hats off to them. But when the WPSA stepped in, they they didn't make it all one dimensional. They brought in the four wheel drives. They they made different things, and and all of a sudden, that's where the factories came back. They were like, well, hey, you know, our four wheel drives are our biggest sellers. So let's have them, and then oh well. Hey, look at this. There's actually people that are watch the. It's really cool to see these uh, uh, big sport quads go out there and, and do the uh, motocross. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's one of the things that brought it back. And then and then once WPSA died, that side of it, the, the four wheel drive stuff kind of died off. So they said, you know, they kind of moved to the side by side stuff, and and that's where their big sales were at. And you got to look at it from a, a business standpoint. From the factories, they're in it to make money. You know if they're not selling four-wheelers then they're not going to be there trying to sell. It's not
0: it's not race on Saturday sell on Monday anymore when it comes to that. Exactly. Exactly. Um and yeah like WPSN did a good job of making ATV racing look as cool as it actually is. You know like yep. like it was a it was a show, it was a, an event with them and um yeah like they did a lot of good things and yeah like you can argue that they kind of set the template that you know you wish somebody could kind of take and run with. Um but honestly in the moment like the with the landscape of the way everything is it's kind of like everybody's just grateful to have what we have right now. And, uh, you know, hopefully it can, Find a way to get better. Um, John, as we near the completion of this thing, uh, I want to do some mop-up duty on some things like you referenced earlier, some things that our listeners asked about following the first episode, uh, as well as some like listener questions dating back to February of last year. Um, that, you know, we never got to, cause we never got to record this segment. So, uh, there was a lot of intrigue about the the pro quad stadium series. Um, in the early to mid two thousands, I know we posted about that a little bit on our social media pages. Uh, talk about that racing a little bit and then, um, like what it was like to race in those huge stadiums, you know, the big baseball stadiums and whatnot. And, uh, and how does that championship rank for you? We had a, we had a listener ask that exact question, like how that championship ranked for you and your list of accomplishments.
1: Yeah, that, that championship was huge for me. I mean, you know, I had to race out there with freaking Corey Ellis and Tim Farr and, you know, Dana Creech. I mean, there's one name that you haven't heard a lot. That guy was amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could do things with a quad that nobody can do to this day. <laughs> Honestly, and, You know, he was the r- original pioneer of ATV freestyle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, him and Wes Miller, when they got together, they really pulled off some really cool stuff. Um, but being out there, in, 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 and it was a whole different atmosphere because a lot of that stuff was in California, uh, Las Vegas, you know, Nevada, a lot of that was on the west coast i was never out there before so Mm -hmm. it was amazing um and then when you when you get into those stadiums and and you go out there you know it was a monster truck rally is what it was a monster truck race Mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden they see us come out and hit these big jumps and i'm telling you it was you couldn't hear your bike the people would just go insane and and that's what we need is that kind of stuff back again to to be able to build this because like you said before you know wpsa put us in a good light made it look cool Mm -hmm. but when these people Excuse me, when these people see it in person, it it is unbelievable.
0: It is. I mean, yep. I had
1: Ken Roxon. We went to the, the edge of summer race. And Ken Roxon was sitting in the whoops. And and I believe it was Thomas Brown and I just went through the whoops. He followed us me back to my pitch. He's like, in, in typical Ken Roxon fashion. Hey man, that was awesome. <laughs> that was really cool. But no, you know, he 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 was hurt then and he couldn't ride. He said, I never seen nothing like that. He says, That's I can't believe you guys went you went through those whoops as fast as we do. You know he's like, it's on. I can't, you guys are insane, mm-hmm. and they kept calling us insane. And then Thomas and I both hit this big double that none of the bikes were doing, okay. And they were going to take it out, and they're like, and Thomas and I were like, we'll hit it. We went out and hit it, and then the bikes finally went out and did it. So they're like, like they were dumbfounded. I mean, these are you know, some of the top guys in, in dirt bike racing were mm-hmm. dumbfounded by us. Mm-hmm. So if you can impress those guys, because those guys it's hard to impress. I mean, look at what they do. They're amazing.
0: Exactly.
1: When you can impress them, it's something. And when they seen it in person, they're like,
0: Holy shit, this is something. Absolutely. I mean, how many times I, I guess, uh, I've said so many times on these episodes, like those riders like that, when they see professional ATV racing, they never discredit it. You know, they, nope. the, the, the motocross, uh, two wheeled guys that might hate on ATVs. It's never the top tier guys. Cause they see how gnarly it is when you see it in person. It's only the guys that like, don't truly know what a, a professional ATV racer is capable of that, right. you know, poo poo, um, you know, ATV racers at its top level. Cause like, yeah, like what you guys can do at the top level of the sport is, I mean, how could you not, like, how could you not think it's. Freaking gnarly, right? Like, um, well, yeah,
1: you know, like I said, yeah. even 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 me myself going back and and watching Joe or Chad or or Nick Janus or any of these guys or the mm-hmm. Ford boys, my boys, you know, when I go and I, and I watch them, mm-hmm. like, holy shit, these guys, this is insane. <laughs> right. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute, I do that, you know what I mean? I gotta <laughs> think. It, you mean I can do that? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It, it's when you watch it, it's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Even when I was racing, even when I was at the top, even 2011. When I'd watch even an A-class button, and these guys are flying around, I'm like, holy shit, these guys are fast. And you look at our times, we're five seconds a lap faster or six seconds a lap faster. You know, I'm like, shit, I wonder what we look like, you know. Right. Yeah. Like it's unbelievable to watch. It's really
0: cool. Mm And in in regard to that era, uh, getting into my next question here, we got a, uh, a couple questions regarding your training regimen in 2005. You know, you, you talked about so much about that. You said that, uh, you know, your next level speed that season was somewhat due to your equipment upgrade from seasons prior. Um, but what about your training regimen? Because you were a machine in
1: 2005. Yeah. You know, what's really funny about that is my training regimen was rough. I mean, I was I lifted a lot of weights and I ran a lot. I okay. mean, I, I, and, and I had a picture of Doug dust on the treadmills because he was the, <laughs> he was the man I needed to be, Okay, you know, so, uh, cause he was the guy, I mean, he was yeah. the man, he was an animal. Mm-hmm. and if you could beat him you could win the championship so oh yeah he, 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 he was the in, one i set my sights on
0: yeah in 04 he won a record amount of events you know at that time yep. so yeah uh, so yeah and then then you come out and basically uh, won up everything he had done the season prior in 2005 right. so that was that was pretty impressive um okay so now if my memory serves me correctly you raced dirt bikes at one point in the midst of your career right I think professionally i think,
1: it, well, I, I snuck into a professional race that nobody knows
0: about. This is the story I was hoping that we yeah. could tell. Yeah. 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 I was
1: able to sneak, sneak in. I rode somebody else's bike. They couldn't qualify. And I just happened to be fast enough just to make it in. And I was able to qualify. I wore, you know, my gear down, my goggles and wore his jersey and everything. And I was able to qualify and and got him in. And unfortunately, the first moto is his bike broke right away. So we couldn't get to see what he could do. But um, I was able to get him in, and and I can recall uh, in qualifying sitting on the freaking line, and oh, shit, I can't. It was a Kawasaki that was beside me, and I was just sitting there looking over, and he was. I remember like it was he was to my left, and I'm looking over at his bike, and his mechanic. I thought his mechanic was gonna beat me up seriously, like through a fit. <laughs> Like, what the F are you looking at? Like, standing between me and the bike. And I'm like, holy shit, this is so different than ATVs. Jeez. Like, so different. Like, th- those guys would rather slit your tires than <laughs> see you come off the line. And I was nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't even know who the heck I was. Right. You know, and, it, and, it, and it's like these the the, the the camaraderie and family orientation that's behind ATV racing is amazing compared to that. And, and, you know, and I tell everybody all the time, I was really fast on a dirt bike. I was never good. Mm-hmm. But I was really fast. There's a big difference between being good and fast.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: I was fast, but I crash a lot. <laughs>
0: okay. You
1: know, but, and uh, now I had some, some friends that are good, and, and these guys are fast and good. So, and I, I'm not able to compete with them. But, and back then I was able to do, do a little bit because I, I, I raced, I think I took off for a while and, and, uh, actually raced dirt bikes for a while. I, I raced, uh, Loretta Lins in the B class and
0: did pretty well down there. So, um, so what year, John, would that have been where you, uh, you know, you, kind of got that rider in what year did you have any idea i know i know we're not good with years we went over that in the first and the first episode years i'm, I'm just curious just curious on the the era it
1: was in the. Uh,
0: what what kind of bike was it
1: i w- i was on a uh
0: cannondale i, I thought so so then yeah. so then we're must have been 2000 ish I was going to say 99, 99.
1: Yeah. yeah okay. somewhere
0: in, in my notes yep. right here is, is it a Cannondale story? So, uh, so yeah, that's, that, that is what I thought. So, yep. um, okay. So you rode, uh, back to the four wheel side. So you wrote a lot of, uh, artwork were the ATVs. I don't know how <laughs> else to say it, but some, some awesome ATVs in their day. Yeah. Right. Uh, yep. if I asked you your favorite one, what would you answer?
1: You know, my, my, my favorite one for looks
0: or well, for well, favorite I, I, overall, I mean, you could go either way. I would probably say function, but you can give me one of each if you want.
1: My favorite bike back in the day. Now I'm not even going to say it's the best looking or even the best handling, okay. but my favorite bike that, that I love the most. And it's hard to say love the most. I mean, my favorite bike honestly was probably the can am of all time. Okay. Uh, we had that thing pretty dialed in, mm-hmm. but, let's go back to just my favorite bike of all time. That was mine that I love. I had a 92 Banshee that, in fact, I think you posted a picture of me looking all stylish on it. That mm-hmm. was my favorite bike ever. Okay. And, and we would switch it from TT to motocross and everything else. But, it was just,
0: that thing was just, I don't know why. I don't even know why. Is it, sen- is it sentimental value, basically? I, I believe
1: that that would probably be what it was. If I could find that bike, I would buy it back. In a hard time.
0: <laughs> uh, shoot. That's awesome to hear. I think we all have that like kind of first special machine to us. You know, yeah. like we all had mini stuff and whatever, but like we all have that bike way back in our history that that is one that will ever be like a favorite to ours, to us. Yeah. Um okay. uh hey, hey,
1: not to not to slow you down on that, but did you notice that haircut that I had in that thing?
0: It on was nice picture? Uh Jr. jr <laughs> Hines weighed in. He said you never aged. He said you look the oh, same. Oh Jesus. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got a little less hair
0: now. Right, but... right, right, right. I, I but the face was, I mean, you could have just dropped that picture and showed it to me anywhere, anytime, and I would have said John Natalie back in the day. No shit. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's awesome. funny. Um, okay, uh, fiercest rival. If you had to name one, boy, if I had to name one and you raced just about everybody, John, that one, yeah, point. I mean, I mean, it's a
1: toss up between Doug and Joe, Joe, I would say fierceness would be Joe because boy, was he a rough man. Like <laughs> he's good. He was mm-hmm. good at, t- he could take you out and, and make you think it was your fault. Like okay. it was, he was just good at what he did. And, and he was rough. I mean, he knew how to ride. He was fast. I mean, when you, when you're, when you're that fast and, and you're that good at what you do and, and the way he did it, it, it he was dangerous. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not dangerous as in
0: like hurt you, but just, you know yeah. what I mean?
1: Just dangerous as he was tough to tough to stay with. Well, and that's uh, that, and got,
0: that time, like 05, 06, 07, like that era 08, yep. you know, you guys were kind of, you were at your peak. He was at his peak. Uh, I mean it was like Clash of the Titans back then because I kind of thought of you guys as the the same way, like gnarly, we're gonna give an inch, you know. Like it yeah. was that those were awesome battles back then. Yeah, and that
1: and that's kind of the problem with with some of the things is not giving an inch. I mean, there's sometimes I should have given an inch and I might not <laughs> end up in the hospital, you know. So it's uh I, I just it, all my life and, and even to this day, my wife gets mad at me because I'm not afraid of anything.
0: Mm-hmm. They're
1: like she's afraid of snakes and or, or, you know, whatever. I have yet to find anything that I'm afraid of. And, and it's not, I don't think it's a good trait. I think it's a bad trait <laughs> okay. because it can get you hurt. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. like in my mind, if a lion comes running down the road, I'm going to punch it in the nose and knock it out. You know what I mean? The thing's going to eat mm-hmm. me for lunch. But in my <laughs> mind, I'm dumb enough to stand there and wait for it. You know, right. it's like just it's better to be afraid of stuff. And, and I'm not, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta learn. the only thing I'm afraid of is a man upstairs. And, and I don't really have any reason to fear him because I'm doing what I think is right.
0: and I think we're going down the
1: right path there, but mm-hmm. even he's not going to protect me from a lion.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Cause you were going to comment on Doug yet.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, cause I said a toss up between Doug and Joe, mm-hmm. and, and Doug was very fierce just because he, he never quit. Like you could put 30 seconds on the guy and, and, all, you look down at your tire for one second, you look back up and he's beside you. It's like, here he comes How'd you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like just never stop. Like you thought you had him buried and, and he was digging his way back out. I mean, and, and he never got tired. I mean, the guy was an animal and, mm-hmm. and he could ride anything. You know, he reminded me a lot of myself. He could jump on a freaking, uh, anybody's four wheeler and go out there and do well. Mm-hmm.
0: There's, there's not a lot of people that can do that. No, he was a, ma- he was a machine for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this will be like, if this is the same question, maybe you don't have one of these memories. This is, I remember a question from the, you know, from a year and a half ago. Um, mm-hmm. we had multiple that asked about your, uh, any racing feuds that stood out in your memory. Did you have any like fights with other dudes or anything like that, uh, that stands out or was that not a thing?
1: That really stands out. I mean, me and Joe went mouthing a couple times to each other. You know, okay. threatening to fight each other. And uh, uh, you know, me and Doug had some run-ins. Never, Doug and I really. I mean, Doug wasn't uh, aggressive person. I was always aggressive. I st- mm-hmm. I still am to this day. Doug wasn't an aggressive person. So it was, you know, we argued or or, or uh, protested each other or whatever. Um, the only, uh, I guess, J- Josh Kramer and I. It was an unspoken rivalry between us like you okay. know i'd hit him and he'd hit me and, and i'd wreck him and he'd wreck me and it was just one of those things and then finally he said I, that's enough i'm not touching you no more and it just never happened again <laughs> um it was it was weird because I, I i was very uh I, I always had to get you back if you hit me i'd come back and hit you harder mm-hmm. you know and and it's just just the way it was and, and my again not smart because i could hurt myself or somebody else so I just want to let the listeners out there. know: don't do it. It's not smart. I wasn't smart when it came to that.
0: Right. Um, so so I, I should have thought more. So, um, similar around, like along those similar lines, uh, where do you get your, your adrenaline fixed nowadays?
1: Oh God. Uh, you know, I still ride uh, and, and, you know, it's crazy because now I'm riding pit bikes too. We do pit bike races and, and, uh, <laughs> You wouldn't believe how exciting that is. I mean, the little wee tiny track, little wee bikes, and you know what's really great about it though is is the guys that I race with. No, it's just a little local track, but okay, we run into each other, we run over each other, we shoulder block each other out the track, and we just everybody laughs, mm-hmm. you know. And and even when you, cr- Christ, I crashed this last weekend. I raced a little a bone stock CRF one ten against all their damn thump stars and stuff, and I ended up winning one. I don't know how I won it, but the other one I got, I don't know, fifth or something, but. I probably wrecked 10 times the whole thing, just, you know, and of course I'm racing the wife's bike. So whenever I go down, I use my body to block the bike. So I don't put any (laughs) marks on the bike. So I'm beat up in the bike. Fine. You know, I I know people were worried about the bike, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, uh, you know, that's, there's an adrenaline rush here and I still ride. I mean, I still get on my dirt bike and ride my four wheeler ride. Um, I've always been blessed that usually everywhere I show up, somebody shows up with a four wheeler and they're like, Hey, take it for a ride. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I get to ride, a lot of different bikes. So it's awesome that way. Um, and, and I got my kids, my kids are, are are racing now too. So
0: there's a lot of adrenaline there, believe it or not. You you got all kinds of stuff going on. Um, so what advice, uh, just a few more, I appreciate you being so gracious with your time. Uh, what advice, what advice, uh, do you wish you could go back and give yourself, uh, or, or what advice would you give, um, like, uh, up and coming rider today. Um, I guess what I was getting at with that first one is if you could go back in time and, you know, give yourself a little info, a little nugget of info to benefit later on, uh, anything come to mind there?
1: You know, one of the biggest things is the balance between you and the bike because you, and I, and I think I touched on this earlier. I used to blame myself for a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. where if I would have taken a look at the bike, on little things. I could have been faster. Well, and some people have it the other way. Some people are like, it's all the bike and it's not them. You have to find that balance between the two and say, Hey, there's some things we can work on on a bike. There's also things I need to work on on myself. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that I've seen is fitness. Uh, if you're going to be a racer, you're going to be in shape, not only so you can finish races, but if something bad happens, you have to make sure you're in the shape that your body can take it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's been a lot of times that I've crashed and and gone to the hospital and the doctor says, well, you know, if you weren't in the shape you're in, you might not have made it, you know, so it it has a lot to do with not only finishing races, but also keeping yourself healthy.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nowadays, for sure. I I think so many people take the, you know, their training to, um, you know, to like they take it so seriously, take it to another level. Like you gotta be, you know, you gotta do that to compete, let alone, um, you know, be healthy if something does go awry. So, uh, yeah, that's great advice there. Um, if you could change one thing about your career, would you, and if so, what would it be? You know, I've often, I've, I've often
1: thought about that too. And I really don't think there's anything that I would change about my career. Okay. I mean, of course you want to go back and you want to make championships happen. You want to make this happen, but it's made me who I am today.
0: Exactly. You know,
1: if you go back and change things, it might take me down a different path. And I love the path that I'm on
0: now. I would have bet all the money I have that that was the answer we were going to get from you. So I'm glad I asked it. How closely do you follow the sport today, John? Um, Do you still follow it pretty closely? I do. I still follow it pretty closely. I watch all
1: all, all the races that I can online and, Mm -hmm. and uh, I check your page all the time because you give really good updates and, And I, I, I try to watch it a lot and, and I try to pay attention to the guys that are in there and and what they're doing. And, uh, believe it or not, I've had a lot of people call me for advice and, and whenever they call, I answer.
0: Mm -hmm. So you worked with, uh, the Ford boys, obviously, uh, you referenced that you're still, you know, pretty tight with those guys. So you worked with Bryce when he was younger. Uh, now he's a star himself. Is this what you expected for him as he, as he kind of blossomed into a, you know, an AMA to be pro? Oh, for
1: sure. You know, I, I mean, <clears throat> let me start by saying the Ford boys, Cody and, and Bryce, both are, are, are like family to me. I mean, okay. I, I, I've watched them grow from little snotheads to big snotheads. You know what I mean? I mean, literally they, they've grown up before my eyes and, and uh, I love them to death. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that I've learned a lot from those two. As much as they've learned from me, uh, and and they've helped keep me young too, and we'll leave that with that. And as far as Bryce, it was inevitable. I mean, the kid has just got ridiculous talent. Mm-hmm. One of the big things that that I wanted to make sure of with Bryce is that he skipped a lot of the stupid crap that I did, <laughs> and 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 you know, and, and I'm not gonna lie, they can have anything they want. Okay, whatever they want, they get, and and that's hard coming up as a kid those kids are good i mean if you didn't know exactly who they were or the race area you'd never know that they were that they were in that
0: position they're awesome kids
1: yeah they're awesome young men and it's hard, it's hard to find that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. Cody is a, is an, and for those two to get along like they do, it's amazing because it is, you know, Cody being the older brother, he was always, you know, faster. And then Bryce started to come up and started to beat him. And Cody still was right there all the time. Hey, mm-hmm. you know, let's do it. Bryce. He had his brother's back all the time. And Bryce always has Cody's back.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So John, when are we going to see uh, Bryce break out and win one of these things?
1: Well, if I get my way, it'll be next year. I mean, you know, my, my only regret is that I don't have the time to spend with them. Both of them, because I can still make Cody faster. And I know that I can, I can, Bryce has the speed to win right now. There's
0: no doubt in my mind. John, you were at one of the races this year, right? Yes. And, and that was at pleasure Valley. And I was told that, um, you know, Cody benefited from you being there. Well, that's good. And you know, a lot of times
1: these guys just need that stable. Now, don't get me wrong. John, John Ford and Robin, they're amazing, but they're mom and dad, you know what I mean? Sometimes mm-hmm. they just need that, that other thing there in their life, in their confidence, like kind of like what Casey and I had, you know, they need that, that talk right before the race. They need that, that, that push right before the race to say, Hey, you got this, you mm-hmm. can do this. What do we need to do to make it better? And,
0: and, it it helps out that way. Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC has been supplying riders with aftermarket components from the industry's top brands for over a decade. With over 80,000 products in stock for your ATVs, UTVs, metric, and HD motorcycles, dirt bikes, and snowmobiles, Bikes, Trikes, and Quads LLC can tend to all your power sports needs from hard parts to riding gear. Bike Strikes and Quads also offers hard-to-find used parts for your vintage dirt bike, ATV, three-wheeler, or snowmobile. Use discount code ATVMX at www.btqllc.com for 10% off of orders of $100 or more. We're grateful to have Bike Strikes and Quads LLC digging deep with us. Thank you, BTQ LLC. We are proud to be partnered with Gripped Gloves. Gripped is an ATV rider-owned and operated brand with a rider in mind and the goal of keeping costs affordable. The Michigan-based family operation recognizes riders' desire to showcase their identity. Owner David Payne's love for eccentric colorways and crazy patterns shows in his product something not often found in the work of big manufacturers. Here to push stereotypes and limitations, Grip's drive is to produce a glove with cool colors and designs that won't break the bank. With comfort and quality as key motivators, the Family Affair is constantly working on the next more innovative and improved glove. Get a grip on life, join the Gripped movement, because no one wants a bland glove. Check them out today at GRIPTGloves.com. that's G-R-I-P-T-Gloves.com, and use discount code DIGGINGDEEP10 to save at checkout. Just like the sport of ATV Motocross as a whole, our Digging Deep community is brought together by the love for racing that we all share. Our sport is compiled of many great people and leaving that charge is the Launderville family at Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. This racing owned family business is a steel and concrete supplier serving the entire United States. Launderville Steel is a full service steel supplier of new and surplus steel, aluminum, and stainless steel products headlined by the 4130 chromoly tubing and plate used in the building of chassis for ATVs and UTVs, off-road truck racing, Late model dirt and pro tractor pulling series, drag racing, and more. Launderville Steel loves their racing just as much as we do, but don't forget about their concrete division as well. With over 25 years of experience, the concrete division can supply everything you need to complete your next business or personal project. Their central Midwest location enables LSE to easily serve customers across the United States. For a quote. Additional info, answers to more of your questions, or to talk a little racing, head over to LaundervilleSteel.com or give them a call today. We are proud to be partnered with yet another racer-owned company. Thank you, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply. Thanks for listening, and remember to support our partners. Now back to the show. Here on Digging Deep, we've discussed um, you know, current AMA to do pro-class racing to the nth degree, uh, including how stacked it is this year, um, how stacked it was, you know, this past year, obviously how great the racing has been. So when you try to compare like today's racing, when you look at today's racing and compare it to when you were racing, John, uh, how does it stack up?
1: You want to know my truth, the
0: truth I I do, (laughs) I do. Cause I might sound a little harsh on this. Well, I knew that I knew that you were going to have a passion to take. That's why I wanted to ask the question. Right.
1: Now, don't get me wrong, and, and not taking away anything from these guys nowadays, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: in, my, in my time, we had Chad Weenan, we had me, we had Joe Bird, we had Tim Farr. we had, Oh, the uh, names, uh, the names,
0: yeah, yeah. Never, Dustin never
1: Wimmer. Yep. How, many, how many champions do we have in one race? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had yeah. tons. Oh, back Can't, then. Was, yeah. Back then, we've had yeah. tons of tons. championship champions in every race. Yep. At any given day, there could be one of six or seven guys that could win.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, you know who's going to win. you you got a 50-50 chance of who's going to win it. And that's no offense to anybody else. That, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, did Joel and Chad just step it up beyond what everybody else can? I don't know. I'm not there racing, so I can't call that out. But it's not – and I'm not taking anything away from J- Chad or Joel because obviously they whooped my butt today. But it's not as hard for them – to have to win a race because they know, okay, he won the first moto. All I got to do is make him make a second, uh, uh, you know, a, a mistake in the second moto and I can win the overall. They know what they're up against every week. You know, honestly, Cody, I don't know what it is about the sport right now. It, it's crazy because the top two have a battle and then you got like the top four. Well, I'm telling you, if Bryce is going to be up, there might be a top three next year. If 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 Bryce can keep
0: his head on straight, he's going to be up there with those guys. Mm-hmm. Well, and the the thing is like what makes it and it's in it. And it was 100%. It is 100% different than what it was in your heyday. There's no arguing that obviously, um, right. but you know, there's, there's Joel and Chad right now, but then if you were to exclude them, like, yes, the battle for the win is a, is a two, two rider deal uh, right, right now, right now. There's no arguing that after that, that next battle of like five dudes reminds me of what it was like for you guys in 05, 06, 07. Now, again, they're not champions, but the fact right. that you don't know who's going to be third or fourth right. or fifth or whatever, that's what reminds me of back then, if, if that makes no, sense. Yes. Because no, you go, it definitely you go, makes sense. Because in, 0, in 06 or whatever, you didn't necessarily know who was going to be on the podium every weekend. Right now, the way that, you know, it, it's kind of the same. You don't know who's going to be third. And that's a fun thing to right. watch. Like for a lot of years, we knew who was going to be on the podium, just didn't know how the order was going to be. So maybe right. that, maybe this is like the next best thing, if that makes sense.
1: No, it makes sense. I just hope, I hope that these other guys find find more speed and can get up there and run with them because it because it is amazing to watch. And if, if that battle that, that uh, third through fifth or third through 10th battle was mm-hmm. up. So it was a first through 10th battle. Oh, it'd, be that much better. it'd be that oh much better. Oh my God. It would be yeah. amazing. And so I hope those guys find the speed to get up there. And it, and that's what I want. I hope people understand. I'm not taking away any anything away from them because of course they're all fast and they're all great riders, mm-hmm. but I, I, I want them to get up there with the other two so that, so that it, it makes it
0: better for everybody for mm-hmm. the sport in general. It would be better. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, yeah. Like I, I feel like, I feel like I think that we've talked about it a ton that that group is better. Just, I think those top two continue to get better as well, like almost at the same pace. So, um, but we've talked ourselves blue in the face on that. Uh, I think I got three more questions here. Um, so you can choose to answer one of these or both of these or none of these. I don't want to put you on the spot, but who was the fastest rider who you saw potential in, but they never really made it or. Did you ever have a rider that kind of reminded you of yourself?
1: <laughs> the second question is simple. Okay. Um, well, there's two. Well, Michelle, obviously my wife, now obviously yep. not in pro class, yep. but reminded me so much of me, the way she wrote it was ridiculous. And obviously it's because she was around me all the time, whatever, but she rode a lot like me. Okay. And the other one is, I think Bryce has a lot of, a lot rides a lot like me. Um, he's a little taller, so he looks a little, a little dorkier when he's doing it, but you know, he, he rides a lot like me. I I can see a lot of me in the way he rides, especially a younger me. Like when I was, uh, 20, 25, he rides a lot like the way I did then, which is what I'm trying to get him out of because he's got the speed. He just needs to get the the brains and smooth, you know, that's what he needs to get. Um, and as far as somebody coming up that I thought, huh, you know, I mean, Man, I, and I didn't I, even I, and
0: I didn't even want to put you on the spot. Just somebody maybe that you saw that was like, dang, that guy has tons of potential.
1: You know, and, and this is this goes back a ways. And it's somebody that I thought would have been a championship contender was and this might be weird to some people is Pat Brown. Pat Brown had a lot of talent.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, and I'll tell you, you know who should have been a champion and never was. And I had mentioned him earlier in this podcast was Dana Creech. Oh yeah. I, I don't understand why that kid was never champion. So he, he had speed. He had talent. He had, he had the backing. He had everything he needed. I just don't understand why he didn't do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: if I, if I had to answer that question with somebody, it'd be Dan. Creech.
0: Uh, can we give an honorable mention to Alex wascob Cause what he did, I thought being a, being a dirt bike guy and like getting on a quad and being as good as. Like you had him riding and like what it felt like no time, like that was impressive to me, John. Well, you know, there's another kid. Um, kind of makes me
1: sick because he has so much talent, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't really have to do much with him. I, I mean, he was just fast. His brother, uh Ash is the same way. Really? Just, they can they can both jump on four wheelers and go fast, and they are super fast on dirt bikes. Yeah. That's um, what I heard. But yeah, but Alex. Alex,
0: I, I so wish he had stayed with it Cause I, I do believe he could be in the top of the pro class. Oh, he was, um, he was gnarly for, to, again, like the way that I, I learned it. I knew it at the time was he was like, just hopped on a quad and he was podiuming pro-am like that's yeah, crazy. We had, we
1: had like a, we had like two months that he rode and then all of a sudden he's put, po- you know, and, and he didn't even know all the ins and outs, you know, he didn't know. Uh, I mean, I, I remember, um, Mount Morris, he was kicking butt and then somebody run into him and spun him out, but he, he definitely, he could, he could probably still right to this day, jump on a four-wheeler
0: and go run up the front of the pro pro pro-am class. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So we'll end with this. Uh, I always like to ask our guests, um, how they want to be remembered as a racer. So how do you want to be remembered and what legacy do you hope to leave behind John? You know, the biggest legacy that I hopefully behind is that
1: uh, I was somebody for the other riders. I wasn't there just to benefit myself. I've always been there for the other racers to, to help the sport grow, um, to do whatever it takes to, to bring more sponsors in. So one of my biggest things was, and, and anybody that, that's been around me will tell you, I always wanted to do whatever it took so that the kids that looked up to me, that were racing would have something to look forward to. And it's difficult to look at the, the way at the, at the state of affairs now And it, because I don't think they have that to look forward to. And to tell you the truth, there's really nothing I personally can do except advocate and go on uh, shows like yours and, and podcasts mm-hmm. like yours and, and just say the things that, that, that make it great because the only people that can, that can actually help the sport grow are the promoters and, unfortunately i'm not seeing out of them what needs to be
0: done to make it any bigger well john i think that uh i think you kind of hit it on the head because there's so many people that look up to you for obviously your accomplishments uh the kind of the man that you are all those things um but your word has so much merit and has so much weight that when you come on here a uh, show like this or another show or whatever and you are able to you know, speak your mind on your views and what made you successful and how you accomplished the things that you did and on track, off track, uh, giving the time to the kids, all the stuff that made you, you, I think the trickle down effect of that has more impact than you probably know, you know, and you still like doing this right now to this day is helping the sport. I truly believe that.
1: Well, I I hope you're right. I mean, I've always done, I mean, even even while I was there racing, I have always uh anything that was asking me, Mm -hmm. hey, do you want to go to this restaurant to to advertise to you know to to do autographs or do you want to go into Walmart parking lot? We've taken our rigs, we've gone to schools and Mm -hmm. done and and sat at schools and did things and just whatever it took to try to bring people to the races. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I I loved it all. I mean, I thought, well heck, whatever it takes, you know, I would leave early, I would take days literally days out of my out of my work week to to go and and uh advocate for the sport and i think that's you know there were at the time even there was people that thought that that actually said well you know that's not my job that's not my job that's the promoter's job well regardless it's only going to benefit you It's only going to benefit you, whether it's, whether it's your job or not, just like, I try to tell my guys that work for me now. Mm -hmm. Okay. That they'll say, well, why am I doing this? Well, okay. First of all, you're getting paid. Second of all, if you don't help me keep my business going, if my business goes out of business, you lose a job. No, it makes sense for you to want to help me keep my business going. So you keep getting paid, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and that's, that's kind of the way I look at it with the sport is, Yeah, you're not getting paid to go advocate for the sport, but you got to look at the future. You got to look at the the big picture because in the long run, you are essentially getting paid Mm -hmm. because you're getting people to the track, which hopefully if you get enough people to the track and you get enough interest, that can bring the manufacturers back and that can make the sport grow. And then then you got the people that, well, yeah, but that's not going to happen in my lifetime. Maybe not, but what if your kids want to race? What if your kids' kids want to race? Mm-hmm. You know, how about you think of somebody other than just you right. and think about down the road?
0: Well, and this is a microcosm of everything in life, because no, no matter where you're talking, racing or something else, job, whatever you get out of it, what you put into it. So exactly. if you're going to do bare minimum, whether it's PR, whether it's, you know, training, riding, bike prep work, studying, whatever it is. If you do bare minimum, you're going to get bare minimum results. If you do, exactly if you go to the nth degree, you're going to get the best possible results for you, period. Right. So that's a, that's a microcosm of everything. The sport's better. The sport's better for it, for you doing all that stuff, the sport's better for it. And uh, the sport's better because of you. There's no denying that.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And thank you for saying that. i I'll, I'll, I'll let you with one, one last, piece of advice for the people out there. And you kind of brought this up and and what you just said is, well, you you get what you put into it for sure. It's in life in general, when, when
0: it, when it comes to your life. So this is, this is the way I see it, John. So if I get first or last, and this is what I tell parents, you know, with their kids, and I'm sure you had this conversation with people too, but if you give everything you have and whether you finish first or last, You should be able to go to sleep tonight, feeling good that you did everything you could same with a test, same with work, same with whatever it is. If you give it your all, then that's, then you should sleep peacefully knowing you did everything. If you do bare minimum and then, you know, you do shitty because of it, you should feel shitty because you did bare minimum.
1: Right you're hundred percent right, I agree with you hundred percent and I kind of got back on to what I was gonna say okay is you know there, there's so many people that look at the, that look at successful people and they're well this guy needs to pay more taxes or this guy needs to do this or this guy needs to do that because he's making money well here's the thing instead of hating on those people and being jealous of those people hang out with them mm-hmm. be around them make them your friends because learn from them and say, hey how'd you do it because 99 percent of these successful people, We'll share how they became successful, and the, the the biggest problem is most of the people that want to be like them don't want to do the work that they had to do to get it, because you're you're not going to go anywhere in life, and you're not going to be great at anything in life unless you're willing to put into work. Mm-hmm. Because if he would rather sit on the, on the couch at night and eat potato chips and play PlayStation and watch TV that's all you're going to get out of it. Like you said earlier, but if you, if you want to be the best and you want to earn money and you want to have a business, hang out with those people, go, go ask them, say, how, how'd you make your business? How'd you do this? And they'll teach you. They'll tell you, in fact, they might even want to bring you in. I'll tell you what, in my business right now, I would, if somebody would come to me and ask me, that, I'd be like, look, I'm going to give you a job right now. Mm -hmm. You're going to be making good money and I'm going to teach you how I did my business. And then you're going to help me run my business. Mm -hmm. Because those are the kind of people that, that, good businessmen
0: are looking for it. And absolutely. Women. Absolutely. Um, amen to that because we live in this world right now where everybody, and I think it's, it's perfect. It's absolutely seamlessly connected to social media that people say, well, so-and-so is doing this and so-and-so has this and so-and-so accomplished this and this, that, and the other thing.
2: Right. And it's
0: And it's like, yeah, but that person, first of all, you don't know if it's as good as they're portraying it to be. Second of all, that person, if they are accomplishing and reaping the benefits now, that means they grinded their ass off and that's not where they were 10 years ago. They grinded their ass off. So now they are where they are and people are jealous of them when they had their head down and they were in the trenches and they were working their tail off. Nobody was watching them and they were still grinding away and, Right. I think everybody, not to get too motivational here, but everybody that's listening right now, no matter what it is, this sport, whether it's your schoolwork, your job, relationships, whatever, like do the extra, go the extra mile and someday somebody you know, whether it's today or tomorrow or the or next week or next year, somebody's gonna say, man, look where that guy is look where that girl right. is. look what they yeah. accomplished but you have to be, willing to work when nobody's watching. And I think that that's some of what you were touching on. That you're hundred percent
1: right. And and that's that's like now, like our business is doing really well. And actually we got two businesses are, that are doing, doing really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that a lot of people don't know is right now I'm staying in a hotel. You know, I, I was at work. We, we started work at six 30 this morning. We worked till se- uh, about quarter till seven tonight and went to my favorite place, which is sheets and got food and came to the hotel. And here I sit because we're going to get up at six 30 tomorrow and we're going to do it all over again. This is my company. Mm -hmm. You know, this is my company that's doing pretty well. And people don't see this part of it. Mm -hmm. They only see it, you know, if I'm driving my new truck or if I'm riding my dirt bike or whatever, look at this, what he has. Yeah. I haven't seen my family in four days. And you work your (laughs) ass off for
0: it. You work your ass off for it. That's right.
1: You know, we work 60, 70 hours a week.
0: So Mm -hmm. those are are the things they fail to see. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. John, I don't think that there could be a better way to end this. So, um, you know, wrapping up everything that we talked about, you'll always be a fan favorite the fans are going to love hearing uh, from you again. I, I love this because I feel like we tied up everything that we didn't get to in that first episode. Uh, I feel so good about this. I can't thank you enough for your time. You've been so gracious. It means so much to me and uh, pal, I appreciate it so, so much. I, I won't be able to tell you how much I appreciate this.
1: Well, listen, you know, I love doing this kind of stuff. And I love advocating for the sport and, and uh, your podcast. It's awesome. Um, what you're doing for the sport is great. So, I mean, if you just want me as a guest once in a while, or if you have more questions that come up, hell, let's do, let's go for a part three.
0: Yeah, let's do it, John. So yeah, if you're, I mean, you've teased that you might be coming back uh, to race, maybe at some point, who knows? So if you come back, uh, we're, you know, we we'll, we're going to talk to you about every single lap that you do. Right. Um, but even if you, even if honestly, even if you make it to a race, if you make it to a race again, uh, let's bring you back on to talk about the race that you go to. Cause you, you see things, uh, you know, obviously, um, differently than the rest of us do being uh, a HCB racing legend like you are. So, uh, let's definitely do that. We'll definitely get you back on sometime in the near future, but uh, again, oh. for all your time uh, whether it was, you know, February, 2020, or, you know, October, 2021, I can't thank you enough. I appreciate it so much. And obviously our listeners are appreciative too. Not a problem at all. I appreciate you guys all being there. Awesome. Well, thanks to Rocky Mountain ATV MC. Click that banner on our website for all your gear and parts needs, as well as to help us out. And John, allow me to wish you and your family all the best. Thanks so much for all you've done for the sport. Thanks for being a great role model for myself and so many others out there. Thanks one more time for all you've done and, and for doing this with me and everything else. And, uh, we'll, we'll plan on getting you on again soon, but all this time, man, it's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. I can't thank you. I can't thank you enough.
1: Well, thanks, man. It's it's, uh,
0: made my night special too. So I appreciate it. Awesome. That's a wrap. Thanks so much.
1: All right, brother. Well, you have a good night. It was good talking with
0: you. Thanks so much, pal. Have a good night. All right, buddy. What did I tell you? Was it everything you hoped for and more? I sure thought it was. Major thanks to tonight's featured guest, Mr. John Natalie legend. Thanks to producer Dallas Jansen, my brother, for all his hard work. Thanks to Brooke and AMA official Harv Whipple. Thanks to our donors. Remember, you can find those donation links on our website. We appreciate you guys so much who graciously donate. Thanks to our partners, CSD Tires, shop.csttires.com. Yamaha, thanks to Blue Crew. I'm Team Blue Crew now, which is awesome. Stoked on that. Valvoline, SSI decals, DID racing chain, Namira Technologies, Bronco ATV and UTV components, Impact Solutions, Launderville Steel Enterprises and Concrete Supply, 4 Carbon, DP Brakes, Gripped Gloves, Factory 43, Bike Strikes and Quads LLC, and Manscaped. To get 20% off and free shipping with code DIGGINGDEEP20 at Manscaped.com. Support the brands that support our show, and don't forget to use those codes to save. You can find it all on our website and be sure to click that Rocky Mountain ATVMC banner for all your gear and parts needs and to help us out. And most of all, thanks to you guys for listening. Our show merchandise, including Digging Deep shirts and hoodies, our Quad Guys Get Hot Chicks shirts and hoodies, back-to-back national chant merch, and more are all available at shop.diggingdeepatvmx.com today. As I mentioned, if you're looking for another easy way to help support us, visit our website and click the Buy Me a Coffee button. This allows you to set up a one-time or monthly contribution to support our efforts. Keep sending your questions, stories, and topics in we're going to feature those on an upcoming episode and don't hesitate to call into our voicemail line and don't hesitate to call into our voicemail line to propose that to us because we'd really like to play it on the show. That number is 920-569-3519. Do it. Also, you probably saw on social media, as I mentioned already in this episode briefly, Yamaha and I joined forces on a personal level, and we're going to cover the building of my race quads on the show here. So we're going to feature conversations about products and mods right here on the podcast. So for those of you who have been begging for more tech talk, you're really going to enjoy this. Speaking of social media, follow the show Digging Deep ATVMX podcast and myself, Cody Jansen, for additional content, coverage, and more fun stuff throughout the off-season. As for the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find the Digging Deep ATVMX podcast. All episodes, additional podcast providers, sponsor links and discount codes, or show merchandise, fantasy info, and more can all be found on our website diggingdeepatvmx.com so check that out today be a friend tell a friend please download subscribe rate review and share and with that for john Natalie, brooke Catherine, dallas jansen and i'm your host cody jansen thanks for listening to the number one podcast in atv racing three million downloads and counting until next time thanks for joining us and digging deep with the stars of atv motocross Things are crashing and burning here at the Digging Deep Podcast, much like the Titanic. Those guys were hauling ass, for real. I remember watching Doug Gus, I don't know who it was, Steel City, running the same times Friday afternoon as James Stewart was on Sunday back then. It was mental. I've never seen quads go that fast. Quad are freaking nice.